Yo, 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 we is back. Episode number seven of the Not The Same Podcast. Uh, you know, we have a very special guest in the house tonight, Mr. Ozzy Smith, Hall of Famer, Ozzy Smith, S-T-L, St. Louis Cardinals Hall of Famer. You know what I'm saying? Look at look at him in the comments already. Where's Ozzy? He's here. He's here, brother. Just, just hold on. Hold your mule, brother. Hold your mule. <laughs> Welcome to the Not The Same Podcast, man. We are so glad that you came back. And to join us today, uh, like we say, what up, AT Describe? What up, Hagens? What up, Higgins. everybody in the chat, uh, man? Let y'all let us know you here, man. Let let us hey. know, Glenn. Hey, the wizard. That's right. That's right. Yeah. See, you know at, what I'm look, look look at it. This is the funny part. Everybody we, was resting home. That's what like we just we told. That's what we just told Isaac. We told her everybody <laughs> gonna show up when uh when the wizard show up. <laughs> uh, brother Hagen said, "I'm sorry, fellas. I love y'all, but I ain't come to see y'all tonight." <laughs> I tell you, everybody rest home. We for told work. you, brother. Tomorrow we off to see the wizard. That's what it was. It was about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So, want to give people time to come in, but y'all, if y'all is late, that is your fault, man. We have That's a Hall of fault. Fame in here with us, man. So, yes. without further ado, we would like to introduce the son and uh, uh, reintroduce the others, Mr. Ozzy Smith, man. So, uh. Y'all give some hearts, some likes, some claps, and some drum cheers. rolls, and all that. And uh, here stuff. we go. And I pushed the wrong button. I'm sorry. Here we go. Hey, look, they thought we catfished them, bro. We ain't catfishing. <laughs> oh, you man popped out. We don't see him right now. Cut your camera back on, Mr. Smith. We'll come back okay. to him in a second. Uh, the camera had popped out. But but is, uh, yeah, why, why we getting Mr. Smith? He is right really here. Oh, this is not, this really is, we're not catfishing people. Check this out. <laughs> this is what we're going to go ahead and go over this man's accolades as he gets ready to come back in. Mr. Ozzy Smith was drafted by the San Diego Padres before coming over to the Cardinals in 1982. Yep. He is a 15-time All-Star, started in 11 of those All-Star games. World Series champion in 1982. Don't forget the Cardinals has the second most World Series on wins. Only behind mm -hmm. them one, guys. We're not going to even mention their names. 13 mm -hmm. consecutive Gold Glove Awards, 1980 through 92. All that. Yeah. All that good stuff. NLC. Yeah, that's all right. Um, MLC as most valuable player in, um, in 85. Won the Lou Garrett Award in 89. The reason there I want to give me props. There you go. Yeah. See, y'all thought we was playing with y'all. Thought y'all wanted... thought we was playing. This, he is really here. <laughs> <laughs> He's really here. Um, he did win the um, Lou Gehrig Award. The reason that is a big award back in 1989, that is dealing with integrity, people. Integrity. Mm -hmm. That is something that a lot of people do not show a lot of nowadays. Um, 20 of shortstop inducted in the MLB Hall of Fame. First ballot, by the way. That's big. Back in 2002. Major League records for most assists. Double plays. Total um, chances. Um, most years with 500 or more assists. Most years leading the league in assists. Inducted into the Cardinals Hall of Fame in 24. Hey, look, the list goes on and on, good people. Yeah. He retired in 1996, and get this: the year he retired, they retired his number. That that's you big. To, you might have to hit him back, Rob. He popped in, popped back out. Okay, I got you right here. Um, but AKA that brother got a lot of accolades. Hey, as you can go in so I can call. Now nah, here you go. Here you go. Okay, you back? Yeah. 
AKA okay. he got a lot of accolades. How y'all? Yes, sir. We me? got you. Yes, yeah, sir. There we we go. got you. There we go. How you doing? Can you hear me now? Yes, sir. Yes, we sir. can hear you. We got All you. All right. All right. How y'all doing? Absolutely. Good. 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 Hold on. You miss. You miss. We gave you like a ten minute introduction, man. Rod, <laughs> Rod, give him the give him the give him the, the short version. The short version. He just is, popped I, out. <laughs> oh well. I don't know. Um, is he still no, there? I think it's the camera, man. I'm still, I'm still here. I, I can see you guys. I'm still here. Okay. Okay. Well, we got to. I don't. The camera keep popping out on us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we got yeah, to hear. So that, might, that's. Hold on. What you say, Miss? What you say, sir? That might that might be me too. I don't know. I'm not I'm not a techie, so I don't know. <laughs> well, it's okay. We know That's it's you. Right. We can stay we here. If you. the camera don't come back, we still they, they know it's you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, ahead, I Rob. just was giving uh, just giving you accolades over all of your um your career achievements, the 13 gold gloves, the 15 all star appearances, um your major league records that you've done in assists, double plays, um some of the some of the um, audience is saying best defensive player ever. Your Hall yep. of Fame inductee back in um, 2002. First ballot, by the way. Um, Hall of yep. Famer of the Cardinals back in 2014. So welcome to the show, sir, is what we want to say. Well, thank you guys so much. Thanks for having me. And, um, you know, uh, evidently you guys have been doing something right. You, you, uh, <laughs> you've been around for a year. You've got some staying power. So yes, sir. that's good. That's good. Yes, sir. Appreciate that. Yes, sir. Well, before we even get started, sir, we are honored that you are even willing to come on with us. And but like, unlike every other guest, we gonna give you one of these. <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, taking your time to be with us. Uh, we're not gonna hold you too long. We already, you know, we got you uh, 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 trying to figure out this technology by yourself, and we don't want to get you in trouble. <laughs> 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 so we'll man, ask I'm you. I'm almost seventy years old, man. This stuff is too. I understand, <laughs> and it changes every day. That's the thing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So we'll ask you a couple of questions, and we'll get you on up out of here. By tradition, okay. I always let, allow my brother Rob to go first. So Rob, go for it. All right, Mr. Smith. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but in high school you played both basketball and baseball, and in college you was a walk-on basketball player. What? What um drove you? Drew, what was your drive to go baseball as opposed to going to um basketball, especially being so popular at that time? Mm. Well, <clears throat> you know, I, I tell people that I excelled at uh, at basketball in in high school, but when I decided to go to college, I realized that my size was going to be a deterrent and stuff. And so, after upon doing some soul searching, I realized that baseball was really what I loved doing more than anything else, and. It was one of those things that sometimes you never, um, you never really, you never really know what it is you, that you're going to end up doing in your life. I just knew that I had good hand and eye coordination, so I was just kind of led in that direction to kind of follow the um, the skill that I was blessed with. You know, that hand and eye coordination certainly helped me as far as basketball was concerned, but I was I was too small to really make it, and that I'd have to work too hard and through baseball, I wouldn't have to work as hard and I could make just as much money. <laughs> Nobody's going to argue with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I got, I got a good question for you, sir. 
If you had a chance to go back and relive any of the greatest moments in your career, which would it be and why? Uh, greatest moments in my career. Um, you know, I think the first thing that would come to mind is, um, you know, from a highlight standpoint, there was a play that I made, and I think it was a play that kind of put me on the map in San mm-hmm. Diego one Thursday. Let me paint the picture here. One Thursday afternoon, the Padres are playing uh, the Atlanta Braves. Randy Jones is pitching. Jeff Burrows is hitting. There's a ground ball hit up the middle. And I dive. And as I dive for the ball, the ball hits. Now I'm parallel to the ground. The ball hit. And it goes back to my, to my which would be my right. Now my body's going left. Mm. And I have to reach back with my bare hand. And somehow the ball stuck in my hand. I was able to scramble to my feet mm-hmm. and throw Jeff Burrows out at first base. And that was really the play. And I didn't, I didn't understand it until the next day when I was listening to, um, I was listening to the radio and I heard the guy say, "This is probably the best defensive play I've ever seen." Yes, sir. And so it was at that moment that I, I, I realized that I had done something. I was, I did what, what I was always, what I'd always done. You know, I had a nose full of ball and I was just doing my job. And uh, that particular day was the day that that, you know, people uh, that I got on the map and people started looking at me. And of course, when you're a defensive, supposedly a defensive specialist, and sometimes Mm -hmm. when you come up and you don't hit home runs right away, you get that label of being all glove and no hit, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things that I had to deal with. So my challenge over my career was to prove that I was a much better offensive player than I was being given credit for. And sometimes that's that's extremely hard when you don't hit the ball out of the ballpark. You know, yes. the things that you do um, are overlooked. You know, the little things like driving that runner in from third base with less than two down on a consistent basis or being able to get that guy over. You know, because when I started my career, I started hitting eighth. And <clears throat> it wasn't until I got here in St. Louis that Whitey Herzog said to me, he said, the number eight hitter in the lineup is not – someone that you necessarily try to hide because there's so much that goes into uh, a number eight hitter, a guy being disciplined enough at the plate to know when they're pitching around you mm-hmm. or, or, or knowing when to go, go out of the strike zone or who's hitting behind you. And he said it was like having a second leadoff hitter in the lineup, you know? So having that been with him saying that, you know, I, I took a lot of pride in hitting eight. And Mm -hmm. from my learning to hit eighth uh, came my ability to move up in the lineup and and for the latter part of my career hit hit second, you know. So it was through a lot of work and and determination and uh, the blood, the sweat, and the tears. And the thing I tell kids all the time that if you're willing to put forth the blood, the sweat, and the tears, good things can happen. And so uh, I dedicated myself, and I've always had a great work ethic. I've always had to have a good work ethic because if you're going to excel in any sport and you don't have, or you're not 6'3", 6'4", 220, 225, you've got to work a little bit harder to prove yeah. your worth. And so I was never afraid of that. I was just like a lot of guys. I was just, I just wanted the opportunity. And... You know, one thing that I was taught when I was young was that success, you have a chance of success when preparation and 
opportunity meet. And right. so you, you want to be prepared hmm. when that opportunity comes. And it's just like, uh, say, say, for instance, getting drafted. You know, that window of opportunity may be very, very small. But if you've prepared yourself, done your work, done all of the hard work, as long as that window of opportunity may be, um, you've got to be able to slide through that window, no matter how big it is. Yes, and sir. sometimes that opportunity is very small, you know, so you got to be ready for it. And, and for me, uh, when I came over here in 1982, I came over here for a player that was a true 5-2 player. Gary Templeton probably was one of the most talented guys to ever don a pair of spikes. And still to this day, the only guy in the National League to get 100 hits from both sides of the plate. So when you come over for a player like that, you better be, you better be pretty good right. at what you do. Right, right. Otherwise, otherwise, you get ran out of town. And I have a lot of fun with guys now when we sit around and and uh, they tell me about, you know, well, boy, I love watching you play this and that and the other. And I said, you know what? I said, I bet you were one of those people that when they said they were going to trade Gary Templeton for Ozzie Smith, you were sitting there saying, who? What? <laughs> <laughs> and, that ha- and, and, and that happens. But, but here again, it was one of those situations where when I got here, I realized that I could not be Gary Templeton. All I could be was me. And I was looking forward to the opportunity of coming to an organization where I knew I was going to have a chance to to, to win, uh, to experience what that was all about, and 1982 was that year. You know, it was uh, you know you talk getting back to highlights. Now, uh, winning the World Series in 1982 was certainly a, a highlight for me because right. um, the um, Mr. Herzog, Whitey Herzog, had told me when he came out to visit me that if I came and played for the Cardinals, there was no reason that we couldn't win at all. And yeah. uh, I, be- I believe that. And, and he put a lot of faith in me in bringing me over here to, to be a part of the organization. And as time went on, by the time we get to 1985 um, and we're in the playoffs and we're playing the Dodgers, I hit, a, I hit a home run, which I was not trying to do. But it was at that point that people started looking at me as much more than just a defensive player. So from that standpoint, it was mission accomplished. Yes, sir. Definitely. If you guys are just joining us, we have Hall of Fame legend Ozzie Smith on the line with us. Um, yeah. Hey, we just, if you're tuning in, hey, he's already dropped some jewels, not just in the game of baseball, but just in work ethic, period. So um, pay attention to what he's saying because these are lifelong um, life lessons, not just sports lessons. Um I want to kind of ask you something serious. It's a two-part. It's a two-part question. Um, in today's society, we deal with what they call social unrest now, um, and it's easy to want to give up and make excuses on why you can't do certain things professionally or personally. First, as a man, what were some of the challenges you faced in keeping a balance with your family and racism? And then, second, as a player, with those same challenges, how did you push past it to get to where you were or where you? what you've accomplished rather. Well, you know, here again, it, it, as a black man in America, every day that you get up and you walk out that door, you face the, the reality that you may not come back. That's, mm, that's the reality absolutely. of the world, of the world yes, in which we live. You, we have to realize that we, we shouldn't have to worry about 
whether or not if I go out and I get stopped by a cop, whether or not I'm going to make it home. But it's the reality and, 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 and it's what I explained to my, my boys, you know, it's not right. I shouldn't have to worry about, and I'm, and, and I would consider myself somebody. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Somebody w- with a name, but I still have to conduct myself as if I'm some, I'm, I'm just an app, just the average black man, mm. because it's so in, in the world that we live in is so, um, it's so dangerous out here, man. And, uh, unfortunately, people um, like Colin Kaepernick, who was just trying to bring an awareness to it, that was taken totally different, token, taken in a totally different way. And and he was one of those people that, that put it all out there and ended up losing his job and, and stuff. It was kind of, uh, uh, he was blackballed. I, I'm going to just say he was blackballed. Absolutely. Uh, Pretty yep. much for for mm-hmm. just certainly bringing an awareness to uh, something that's very serious with us today and um, and stuff. So uh, you 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 deal with it. I'm not saying that you know I haven't had situations where uh, you know if I get stopped uh, because of who I am, you know, really played a big part in it and mm-hmm. and stuff. But but for the most part, just. You know, just an average guy out there I would take my brother, for instance, if my brother goes into a store, um, it's different for him as it is as opposed to me. Because once people know who I am, you're, totally, you're treated totally different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, you see that on a daily basis. Um, and so uh, here we are. Uh, I still have to realize that there are certain things and places that I have to be aware of when I, when I go. Um, because of the the environment in which we live today, mm-hmm. mm. and the second part, family. You know, there are so many guys that we end up losing our families because of the pressures and stuff that are there. First of all, as being a black man, and the pressures that go along with with trying to keep a family together while you're away all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, we spend half of our life on the road, so it's very easy to grow apart. And you know, a large percentage of guys after they retire, um, they end up losing their families. You know, mm-hmm. so for most guys, you know, it's the, they, it's their second or third go around as far as marriage and stuff is concerned. So uh, it's tough, and it's a it's a balancing act. And you know, if you don't have someone that's close to you a friend, a psychologist, or a therapist, or somebody, you can lose perspective very easily. So, mm. you know, I was, I, I, for myself, I was fortunate enough to have some people around that, that understood that. And I think that we as, as black men sometimes don't realize, and I'm just not going to just say black men, I'm going to say black families. Mm-hmm. You know, we all could use a, a, a round or two of therapy. Yes, you know, so that yep. so that we have a better understanding of how to uh, how to deal with some of the things that go on in society today. Yes, sir. Oh, that's good. That's good. Okay, you are you are very famous for a lot of things in baseball, but here's one thing that I knew about. I didn't grow up in St. Louis. I actually grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, but I knew of you, and I knew of you mm-hmm. for this one thing. This backflip. I said, this is man baseball field doing this backflip. My question is, what is the origin of the backflip? So, obviously, you know, Rob asked you earlier, you know, you play basketball. 
obviously you were athletic to be able to do a backflip while playing mm-hmm. uh, baseball. Mm-hmm. What's the origin right. of that, sir? <laughs> well, you know, I grew up in uh, South Central Los Angeles. I, mean, I say South Central Los Angeles. I grew up in Watts, okay? Yes, sir. Right, and, right. Uh, <laughs> uh, we lived across the street from where they used to build pallets. So mm-hmm. there was always plenty of sawdust. So as kids back then, when we went out, we spent a lot of time outdoors. And so there was always a dare. I dare you. <laughs> I, I bet you can't do this. I bet uh-huh. you can't do that. I'm going to show you how stupid we were as kids. <laughs> we, you know those, you know those four, four feet high fences that have the, the twisties on the top? Yes, sir. Of the barbed fence? wire. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It wasn't barbed wire, but it was, it was wire. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> so so we, we would dare. I, dare. I bet you can't jump over that. I'd say, I bet you I can't. <laughs> now, you know that if you don't make it, it ain't going to be pretty. <laughs> and, 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 and Lord knows that if you tear up a pair of pants or, or mm-hmm. have to go to the doctor, mama, you're going to get a whooping. You know, first of all, you're going to go get patched up. Then you yep. when you come home, you're going to get a whooping from mama or dad, you know, for yep. doing something. So absolutely. So, absolutely. So, so my, my, my hops and stuff, I had to have hops to be able to do stuff like that. <laughs> so fast forward to when I signed with the Padres in 1977, my, uh, yeah, 1977, my rookie year was 1978. Mm-hmm. And after I made the team after practice, we had to run two miles. Mm. Well, I wasn't big on long distances. So I wasn't killing myself trying to prove to somebody, I, I, you know, I, I can be first to finish. Yeah. So I was near the back of the pack. So I had a bunch of old guys on my team, like Dave Winfield, Gaylord mm-hmm. Terry, yeah. Gene mm-hmm. Tennis. They were all giving me, the young guy, a hard time about being the youngest and being at the back of the pack. So I told him, I said, you know what? I'll show you guys I'm not tired. So at the time I had, I had monster hops. Okay. Uh-huh. So I do my round off backflip and <clears throat> Gene Tennis, who was my teammate, had girls that were involved in gymnastics. And he said to me, I would love for my girls to see you do that. <laughs> well, we tried to do it uh, at some point in time during the season, which we were never able to do. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until the final day of the season, which was Fan Appreciation Day, that they, he and the PR guy thought it would be a good idea for me to do it going out to my position. Okay. I reluctantly did it because back in those days, the entertainment was the chicken. Oh. And I did not want to step on the toes of the chicken <laughs> because the chicken always had the last word. Yeah. You know, so uh, anyway, I did it. People liked it so much, they asked me to do it opening day the following year. Uh-huh. And lo and behold, a trademark was born. And sometimes now, from a, uh, from a humor side, sometimes when I did it, yeah, going out to my position when it was warm and my legs felt good, I was up there so high, guys, I looked down and I go, oh, my God, they're waiting on me. I got to get back down there. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 you know, that's how that's really how it got started and, and stuff. And I, I had no idea that, you know, it would, it would end up being um, being a trademark and one of those things that that I'm known for. Awesome. Hey. Hold on, Rob, before you ask that question. <laughs> yeah, go can ahead. You, can, can you still do the backflip, sir? 
See, then I knew you was going to ask. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, not intentionally, no. (laughs) One thing I learned a long time ago that, you know, at 66 years old, Mm -hmm. bones don't heal the same way. (laughs) And the last time that I did it was in 2002 at the age of 41. Mm-hmm. And it was it wasn't pretty. I skin up, skin up my knee, messed up a pair of pants. Uh, that was the end of it. You say that's it. <laughs> that's it. That's it. All right. This this is not the. It's it's two questions. And one of the one of the folks watching, uh, my little brother said, "Could you dunk back in the day when you were playing basketball?" I'm sure. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, but you know, here again, it, it takes so much. It, it takes so much work, but. You know, I, I had the good fortune of playing. Eddie Murray and I played together in high school. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, I think we're still the only two high school teammates that ended up in the Hall of Fame. Wow. Oh, and wow. He'll, t- he'll, tell you, he'll tell you that uh, the only time I passed the ball was when it bounced off my knee. <laughs> 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 uh, but, no, I, uh, somebody sent a picture here not too long ago, and it was a picture of me in high school. Mm-hmm. And in high school, I wore number 10. And I saw where I was second team all city. I averaged 20, 23.9 a game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was that was my game in in, uh, in high school. But uh, when I went to college, I, you know, I realized that baseball was really what I love doing more than anything. Okay. Now transitioning into that, uh, my son, and this just shows the um, – the effect that you've had on the game. My son is a huge basketball fan and player. Mm-hmm. He's going to try out for baseball, and he found out you were coming on in day, and he was like, man, that's my favorite baseball player of all time. And it, it was shocking to me because I had no clue that he was an <laughs> Ozzie Smith fan, but I think that's pretty cool. Um, what advice would you give him and any other young up-and-coming baseball player? Because, you know, in the inner cities, a lot of black kids don't play baseball. Mm-hmm. So what mm-hmm. advice would you give them? Well, the first, the very first thing that I would say is education first. Right. Get your education. Put your time and energy into getting a good education because with a good education, that's something that can't be taken away. Playing mm-hmm. baseball or football or basketball, that can, you know, that can be taken away at the snap of a finger. You know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you could throw your arm out. You could mess up a knee, all of that. So getting an education is first and foremost. And if in fact you want to pursue a sport or whatever it is you decide to pursue in your life, that dream, hold on to that dream and don't let anybody deter you from that dream. Now, if that's what you want to do, then your parents shouldn't be telling you when to practice. Mm. You shouldn't Mm. have to be told. If it's what you love and it's a part of your being, then that that should be a part of your your being when you wake up. And and I tell people this, that the reason that you have so many Dominicans and Puerto Ricans that are playing baseball today is because for them, it is their way out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. eat it. They sleep it. They drink it. It's it's they put everything into it. Yeah, And it gets back to what we talked about earlier, that blood, the sweat, and the tears. Mm-hmm. No mm-hmm. success is going to come without the blood, the sweat, and the tears. And so you're only going to get out of something what you put in it. 
if you don't put anything in, you shouldn't expect anything in return, and that's life. Mm. Awesome. I have a question. How important was that call from your high school coach while you were at Cal Poly College considering quitting yeah. and going back home? That was it, man. I, we, we all reached that point to where we don't feel like, you know, things are happening. And for me, you know, my mom, uh, God rest her soul, you know, she'd mm -hmm. probably tell you, and she, she told this story a lot that I used to call home saying, I'm homesick, I want to come home, this, that, and the other, and, and stuff. But the whole time she's telling me, you stay there, stay the course, work hard, keep yourself in a position. And my high school coach preached the same message. And, and I think for those of us that are successful, you do have people in your life who are all preaching the same message over and over again about working hard, getting the most out of your talent, all of those things. So that call that I got from him was one, my dad wasn't around. So my, my coach was, was like kind of a, a father uh, figure too. Yes, so sir. he called and he told me, he says, in not in not too kind words, I can't say it on the air here. Thank you. But you're gonna stay. You're, you're gonna you're gonna stay there because that is the best place for you. Mm -hmm. And uh, and my mom would always say, "I said I'm coming home." She said, "You don't have a home, mm. <laughs> you know. So don't 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 come that's back here." That's old school, right and there. That's old yeah. school. Yeah. yeah, you know. So uh, she always she always knew that I had it. My high school coach knew that I had it. My college coach knew that I had it. And mm -hmm. I had a coach when I signed professionally who used to ride me, ride me. And I, you know, I'm, I'm hustling because I know I got to hustle if I'm going to make it. I can't, I can't let up. I gotta, I gotta keep at it. I gotta stay with it, you know? Yeah. And so he rode me and rode me and rode me. And one day after, uh, you know, for the guys who have an opportunity, or they feel they have an opportunity to make it to the big leagues, they send them to instructional league after your season is over. Mm. So I go to instructional league, and this guy Glenn Ezell, he, he called everybody Hoss. Come on, Hoss, give me more Hoss. Come on, Hoss. Come on, Hoss. <laughs> you know, I got so tired of hearing Hoss, man. It just drove me crazy. That was that that name from. Bonanza days, wouldn't it? Bonanza Hall. Yep. Yeah, Hall. Yeah, that was Hall. <laughs> hey, look at you. Look at you. I, I thought you were too young to know that. We're a little seasoned, sir. Just a little. Yeah. But any, anyway, he he calls me at the end of um, instructionally. He calls me and he says, Hoss, I know you, 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 you feel like I've been riding you, and I have. And I'm, I was riding you for a reason because mm. I knew that you had what it takes and you know you 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 I didn't want to see you let let down mm -hmm. and so he he was the guy that told me he said it's all paid off for you because you got an invite to big league camp wow and like, stuff wow. And, and 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 that made it all worthwhile and it was at that moment that I realized you know that I um I had set a goal for myself and mm -hmm. and and I had accomplished that goal that goal was to play professionally at some point in time, not, not knowing how long it would last, but putting in the, the, the work and the effort that it took to get to that point. Because yeah. I, I never got drafted out of high school, which was a little disappointing, especially in light of the fact that Eddie Murray, my teammate, got drafted in the third round by the Baltimore Orioles and had started his professional career. Mm -hmm. So my, my road to the big leagues was a little bit different. But 
I stayed the course, you know, yeah. I, did, I didn't give up. I didn't give up on myself. I didn't give up on my belief. And I had people that didn't give up on me either. You know, they, they, they kept reinforcing that, hey, you know, stay the course, you know, do your thing. You're doing it right. Just keep doing what you're doing. And it's the same thing that I preach to my kids today. You know, mm -hmm. whatever it is that you do, that you love doing, man, you, you do it to the best of your ability every day. Leave, yeah. leave there knowing that you gave all you had to give that day. Now, that doesn't mean that it was it was as great or as wonderful as you would have liked it. But you know that you didn't leave anything out there. And that was my career for 19 years, man. For 19 years, I asked myself when I finished, did I do the best I could do that day? And the answer for 19 years was yes, I did the best I could do today. It didn't mean that we won, but I know that I didn't take anything for granted. Right. And if I had to go back, I wouldn't change a thing because I, 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 I left it all out there on the field. Yes, sir. That's... um. I'm going to ask you one more, and then if you don't mind, um, if, see if you got one. Can we take some from some of the viewers? Because um, we, I know we, we got to here. Um, during your playing career, 19 years that is, that's awesome. Um, what season do you feel like was your best season? From an offensive standpoint, uh, probably 1987. I think I hit 303 in 1987, which uh, I, I was able to accomplish one of my goals. My goal was to win a gold glove and I hit 300 at some point in time in my career. Mm -hmm. So though 1985 was a, was a good year for me, I even had the chance to hit third a couple times in 1985 because I'd met a guy by the name of Mackie Shillstone who took Michael Spinks from a light heavy to a heavyweight. Mm -hmm. And I did that to, to, to make myself stronger over two halves of a season. Mm -hmm. So through Mackie, through weight training and, and nutrition, you know, I was able to get myself in a position and um, to become a little bit stronger so yeah. I could back the defense up and, and learn to hit the ball down the lines and the gaps and stuff. And so uh, 1985 was kind of the, the, the coming out. And then 1987 was uh, was the culmination of all the hard work and stuff that I put in. <laughs> one, one more for me and then we'll go to the, uh, the people. I just want to ask you about this. When did your love of golf start? And tell us about the PGA Reach Gateway. Well, it didn't start. I, I didn't. Growing up in South Central Los Angeles, golf, that was never part of our right, vocabulary. Right. Period, <laughs> you know? I understand. So, so, so we, were ne we were never exposed to that. So yes, sir. in 1996, when I retired, um, I had a, uh, a guy by the name of Mike Murphy, mm -hmm. who was a big baseball fan who was down there. And he ran Whitey Herzog's golf tournament. He said that he wanted me to come out and hit the hit the first drive, you know, to get the tournament started. And he said, mm -hmm. now, if, if it's going to be embarrassing, he said, why don't you come out the day before and hit some balls, and then, you know, you'll be ready the, uh, the next day to hit the, the first tee. And, mm -hmm. you know, here again, it's one of those things that people, when you're, when you excel at what you do, people expect you to be able to, to do that at a drop of a dime, you know, a right. drop of a hat. Right. So there's always that pressure when you're a professional athlete to be able to go out and do something else and do it well. And so it was that day I went out and I, I teed it up. Well, I practiced that one day. And then the next day I teed it up and I mm -hmm. messed around and I hit a ball down the middle. Mm 
Uh oh. I hit it down the middle, and I've been hooked ever since. I'm like a little, <laughs> like a, I'm like a junkie, man. It's like, <laughs> it, it, because what happens when you play for 19 years, mm-hmm. and you decide to give it up? There's a competitive void in your life. Yeah. And the thing that mm-hmm. golf bring is that you're competing against yourself. Mm-hmm. You're competing against the course, and you're competing against the people you're playing against. Yeah. And so that started my love of the game. And I said, you know, wow, wouldn't it be nice if we could find some young kid in the inner city mm-hmm. who would fall in love with, with the game at a young age and then develop into a Tiger Woods? Yeah. You know, so I'm sure, I'm sure that from an athletic standpoint, there are a lot of kids that you know, it started out as as baseball, but baseball has become such a such a tough thing for for for, uh, for kids here in America now mm-hmm. that we needed. I, I felt that we needed to give them another alternative, mm-hmm. and so exposing them to the game of golf while at the same time uh, uh, emphasizing or stressing the importance of them getting a good education. And it's not just the game of golf; it's the business of golf. Yeah, you see. They could get involved in in so many other aspects of the game that they could build a career. And so it was from that standpoint that that uh, I became the president of PG, PGA Reach, mm-hmm. which is called Gateway now. And my concept and idea, we, we paired with Herbert Hoover's Boys Club mm-hmm. and Target, and we have a STEM program that we were doing there, but right across the street was Carter Carburetor. Now, I didn't grow up here, but it was Carter. Everybody knew where Carter Carburetor was and right. where old old Bush Stadium was in North St. Louis there. So mm-hmm. we finally got that Carter Carburetor all uh, cleaned up. And my goal and my vision is to have a nine-hole multi-recreational facility mm. that would allow kids to nice. go there and, and – um, Learn not only the game of golf, but the business of golf, while at the same time doing some culinary and uh, horticultural uh, things, along with a, a walking trail and and stuff. So that that that's the big vision, and we're right now getting ready to start uh, raising monies to to hopefully see that come to fruition here in the very near future. Awesome, that's awesome. yeah, that's very awesome. That's definitely that that's um. Kudos to you, sir, because that's um that's Thank not that's thinking outside the box big time and giving another avenue. So I, I definitely mm-hmm. kudos for that. All right. So first question from the audience. We'll do three of these and then we'll let you go, sir. Uh, okay. First one from one of our faithful watchers. His name is A.T. If you're taking questions, can you ask Ozzy to identify something he likes about today's game and something he doesn't like? Well, <laughs> I don't like to shift. <laughs> I, I, okay. I don't like the idea that we're, um, you know, the game has become too analytical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, let me let me say this here. There's a place for analytics, yep. but you can't let analytics overtake the game because ultimately you got to hit, you got to run, you got to catch, and you got to throw. Those mm-hmm. four things are never going to change. Right. And I know that if I do that more consistently than the opposition, I got a better chance to win. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so what, what we see in the game today is that everything, everything is about elevation, about hitting it out of the ballpark, swinging mm-hmm. up. It's okay now to strike out 300 times as mm-hmm. long as you hit 15, 20, 20 home runs. So from that standpoint, and, I, I, and if look at the Cardinals this year. Yes, sir. When the Cardinals went on that 17-game win streak, they started playing baseball. Mm-hmm. The way the game's supposed to be played, you even saw bunt. You even saw bunting. Mm-hmm. You even saw you. You saw the the little parts of the game that are so vital and so important to the success of an organization. And uh, you know, I, I've always I've always enjoyed the the speed aspect of the game, and and that's kind of a lost art now. You know, bunting and doing all those things, and then a shift. I wish, mm-hmm. I wish, oh, my team wishes, me, Willie, Ben, <laughs> Terry, I wish they would put everybody on one side of the field uh-huh. and and allow us to be able to just put the ball in play and put it the other way. God, mm-hmm. how easy is this? But <laughs> here, here, here again, I think it stresses the, the lack of the commitment to mm-hmm. be a better person player and how analytics have just taken over to where guys continue to hit into the shift rather than away from the shift. There's always been a saying in baseball and and, uh, the Dean brothers talked about it all the time is that you hit it where they ain't, (laughs) you know, we hit it right now. You're hitting it where they are. Right. (laughs) And we're even to a point, we're even to a point to where they're talking about, well, we're going to outlaw the shift. Well, why should you outlaw the shift when, as a defensive player, if I know that's where he's going to hit it, well, why should I be penalized for not being able to play where I know the guy's going to hit it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> baseball has always been, and when you look at baseball as a whole, you have people like a Tony Gwynn. Yes, sir. Tony mm. Gwynn, you, Rod Carew, they use the whole field. That's what baseball is about. It's about being able to – Hit it where they ain't, and so uh, you know it's, it's it's frustrating watching. I think the idea of instant replay was right. The idea, the mm. concept was right because mm-hmm. it was to see whether or not the ball was fair or foul, or whether it went out of the ballpark yep. or not. But what's happened is that we've slowed the game down because now we instant replay every play. Right. Right. We've yeah. taken we we've taken a game, we've taken the human element, which has always been a great part of this game. It's been proven that ninety nine point nine percent of the time, an umpire gets it right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we miss it that one percent. That that's that's okay. That's just part of what we do. Yeah. Instant replay, I wish we'd have had it in 1985. We might have another championship. But, <laughs> but the, the, the idea was right, you know. Yes, sir. Let's, let's, try, and, let's try and get it right. But we, we're overusing it. We're overusing it just like we're starting to overuse interleague play. Yeah. There was always, there was always excitement for seeing yeah. – the Yankees or the Oakland A's come into town if, if they got it to the World Series. Mm-hmm. But now when you're doing this, you know, you're doing it on a regular basis, it takes away from some of the excitement of right. seeing something different. Right. 
Yeah, true indeed. What will we? I'm pull up. Uh, this is from our friend Glenn. He's from actually from Canada. Say, who are your top five shortstops of all time? He's asking you off the top of, of all the time. <laughs> right, off the like, top like of it's my head. Well, <laughs> yeah, like that's easy. Well, you know, <laughs> Davey Concepcion from Saint uh, from Cincinnati was always one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Omar Vizquel. Okay. Um, uh, let me see. Today. Um, you know, Derek was Derek was a, a good shortstop. Derek Jeter was a good shortstop. Mm-hmm. Um, playing today, uh, what's his name? That plays for Houston is is pretty good. I, you know, I don't think that any of these guys, with the exception of maybe uh, Omar Vizquel, mm-hmm. is your is prototypical. You know, prototypical shortstop is is a little guy who covers a lot of ground and. Can, yeah. can make great plays and make things happen. Not as not big offensively, you know. Omar over in the other league was probably um, he he was just like I was here in the National League. Came in notably as a defensive player, but worked worked extremely hard and became a much better offensive player before he mm-hmm. left the game. Um, those are guys that I think that have have really stood out. Davey Concepcion, I learned a lot from. Davey was a big shortstop, but Davey is probably the only guy on the Cincinnati Reds, or he was the guy that was the glue that kind of held it together, especially there in the middle. But mm-hmm. he was the only guy that didn't reap the benefits of making it to the Hall of Fame. And I think that was because they had so many great players. You yeah. know, you got Pete Rose, you got Joe Morgan, you got Sparky Anders, you got Tony Perez. Mm-hmm. If the list just goes on, Johnny Bench. Just right. so many great players. And he was one of those guys that was overlooked. But he was always that guy down in the number six, the number seven, the number eight spot. It was always driving in clutch runs, mm-hmm. but never got the credit, uh, you know, because there were so many other great players. All right. Well, sir, this has been an honor. We have kept you too long, but we just thank you so much for your time. This was yes. awesome. This is awesome. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, awesome. thank you guys. For, thank you guys so much for having me. And uh, you guys keep up the good work and uh, happy you, holidays. Sir. Happy holidays to, to you. Same to you, sir. All right. Thank you. Bye. That was Yo. Ozzy Smith. <laughs> that was Ozzy yeah, Smith, y'all. That was that. <laughs> that just happened. Yeah. So look, man. Uh, yeah. y- y'all know from the other shows, <laughs> we're very grateful. <laughs> That's all we'll say. But yeah, man, much love to Ozzy Smith for coming on our show. And uh, we give him another one. He ain't even over here no more, but yeah. another one, yeah. man. Thank him uh, so much for the time. Uh, I think, Rob, you know, uh, we're going to get on up out of here after this, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. gave these people everything. Uh, we're going to see y'all tomorrow <clears throat> with another Not the Same podcast, music and sports show. Not music yes, and sports, sir. music and faith show. But uh, we are so grateful for y'all that tuned in. If, if if this was one of your first times coming and watching the Not the Same podcast, don't be a stranger, man. Come back. You know what I'm saying? We have a lot of interesting interviews. This is not the first or the last of one of the Hall of Famers being on this show. Trust me. And also give us a like and a subscribe and all that thing. Hit the notification bell. All that good stuff. You know what I mean? But listen, come on back, man. You don't ne- you never know who you're gonna see up on here. I'm just saying. You never know. You never know. You never know. And if you did join in late, Ozzy was on um on his camera, but he was yeah. using his phone and it, it kept messing up on him. So that's why we just had to put the picture up. But yeah, yeah, it like C said, 
it worked out. Um, great interview. Um, as far as him being so transparent and dropping them gems on us tonight. So yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Go ahead and um, play that favorite part real quick so we can get up out of here, man. But before we get up out of here. So, have you ever thought, I really enjoy what these guys are doing with this podcast. How can I support? How can I help support? How can I be a blessing to them? You can be a blessing by hitting that cash app, cash sign, not the same podcast. Or you can go on over to notthesamepodcast.com forward slash support and hit hit the like, subscribe button, share, notifications. So, anytime we come on, you guys will know what's going on. Because like you said, you never know what guests are coming through. So, the holidays are here. Hit that not the same podcast.com and go to our store. We got hoodies, we have t-shirts, and a bunch of other little things that you can get for gifts. You know what I mean? Yeah, so everybody yeah. likes gifts. Everybody. So we're gonna wrap this up, man. Um, like C said, um, this is that. We'll see y'all tomorrow with another regular not the same podcast show. If this is your first time joining us, tonight is the sports every Wednesday at six o'clock, seven o'clock yep. Eastern. We do our sports. Every Thursday we do the um the faith and the music show. Yes. And every first and third Tuesday, we also got a little Bible study that we do that y'all can slide through. And it's Absolutely. the same thing. Come through, comment, and and kick it with your boys. You know what it is. Yeah. So on that note, I'm C Michael. I'm Robert Dean. We're out, man. We're gonna see y'all tomorrow. That's why we